Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from North Wales is Karen Jones. Karen is a renal social worker based in Wrexham Mailer Hospital. Karen set up the service in 1997 and has been supporting people with kidney failure and their families since. Karen is a fluent Welsh speaker, a trained counsellor, and is dedicated to working collaboratively with the multidisciplinary team, renal charities, and patient representatives to support the physical and emotional well-being of people with chronic kidney disease. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm good, thank you, Dee. And you? I'm good, thank you. It's really good to have you here today. I'm really interested in finding out about the work of renal social workers because I must admit, I didn't know that there was such a job as a renal social worker. So yes, tell me about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Dee. Okay, so... I'm a specialist renal social worker working in North Wales in in a town called Wrexham. I have a colleague, so there's two of us working there, and I have two other colleagues who work for the health board who are based up in Bangor and Blancluid, which uh, is up the coast in North Wales. I have two other colleagues down in Cardiff and Swansea, and they cover renal patients down that area. So you can imagine there's a huge population but there's only a few of us. And especially in comparison to the, the wider team, the doctors and the nurses. Um, so there's about, well, there's 84 renal units in the UK. And uh, clearly not everybody has a renal social worker. Otherwise, like you say, you'd know about it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so that we, we belong to a renal social work group, which is affiliated to Baswell, which is the association, the British Association for Social Work. But it's kind of an informal group. We meet three times a year, but because we're so, there's so few of us, it's, it's a valuable, it's a really valuable um, resource for us, you know, to be able to get together and we have study days and we support each other in, through social media, etc. You know, that's our kind of renal social work family. But there's only 40 members um, so that really would tell you how many renal social workers there are throughout the UK, which right. is, is we're few and far between. Very few and far between. My post was set up in 1997, and um, what is Kidney Care UK now? Previously was the British Kidney Patient Association, which is the BKPA. So the founder of that, whose son had kidney failure, she must have come across quite a number of families um, who were facing difficulties, whether that was kind of financial, whatever. Um, She must have come across uh, very many families. 
when her son was having treatment and in hospital. So she set up the BKPA as a as a, a, a means of supporting families and, and individuals. Um, and she really did recognise the value of having a social worker to support people. Um, so funded many social work posts across the UK, including the one in Wrexham. Right. Okay. That's a bit of history. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of support do you offer? We were referred by the MDT, the doctors, nurses within the team, or, or patients and families, individuals and families refer themselves, they just pick up the phone and, or ask somebody to get in touch with us. And we, I guess it can be broken down to eight topics, what we get involved with. Um, there's housing, treatment, carer issues, uh, mental health, social life, legal issues, activities of daily living, finances, benefits, and monetary issues. Okay. So let's break that down then. So you said that you offer support with treatment. So what kind of support do you offer with treatment? Well, that, that, I guess looking at it from the beginning process, it might be with uh, treatment choices, decision-making about what modality to choose, you know, if you're nearing dialysis. It might be kind of advocating um, individuals' wishes to the wider MDT about what individuals might or might not want. It might be, and this is something kind of we're, we're looking at seriously in Wales, is the um, advanced care planning side of things. You know, for the time maybe that somebody wouldn't have or lacks the capacity to talk for themselves, so they would have noted what their wishes were in with regard to care and treatment for the benefit of health professionals, but also for the family members. So I think as social workers, we'd, we would promote people um, and help people kind of fill in the uh, and, and do their advanced care planning. We would kind of be a middle person, kind of getting information for families about treatment, you know, from the specialist nurses, from the doctors, you know, kind of that works both ways. We might do best interest assessments feedback to the health professionals that way if there were issues maybe that the medical staff have about understanding why somebody isn't um, responding or doing the treatment as they might want we might be asked to assess and which again is just talking to people to understand what's stopping them from being able to carry on the treatment as the team would hope we also work with young adults who are transitioning from pediatric services to the adult services which is a tricky, tricky, tricky time for, for people. So we get kind of heavily involved with that and that do find that younger people need kind of quite a lot of support. And down in Cardiff, for instance, they've got a youth worker who works there to support young adults and, and can totally focus on this area of work, which is so needed. So what age do you take referrals from? 18 onwards. Oh, okay. So yeah, from... and 18 to kind of whatever. Okay. And, fam and family members too. Okay, and yeah. family members too. Uh-huh. So if there's a need identified to the wider family, then those needs are covered as well. So it's not just the patient, it's also the people around them. Yeah, exactly. So if somebody is receiving a kidney from a family member, you know, that will be um, a prime example of how we're kind of getting involved with both. 
it's not necessarily that we're doing the assessments to establish kind of suitability and, and kind of all the, the psychological elements that go with that, but it's the financial elements we might support with, you know, if somebody is missing a wage as a result of donating that kidney, then, you know, we'd look at getting grants and supporting the family if needed. So you've just mentioned about grants. So covering the subject of finances, benefits and tax credits. What kind of support do you offer in that area? We would help access grants through the charities and through local charities as well. And I suppose as social workers, you get to know networks and who you can approach to find support for people. So there are the established kidney charities like Kidney Care UK. We've got Kidney Wales in Wales and we've got Paul Popham Fund. So they are all dedicated charities that provide help with finances and grants and rent arrears and bills and white goods you know that they're really so very supportive towards patients and families but as well as those we'll have kind of the smaller benevolent funds or welfare grants we access for instance they might be based on religion or somebody's work or there's a mass out there that we can approach and make applications to. It can be prescription charges, um, bills. People might have arrears with bills, you know, because many kidney patients find that they're freezing cold continuously. Heating's on permanently, so we'll access grants to help with heating, utility, you know, all those kind of things. We do debt work. But if it gets complicated, then we will refer on to specialist agencies that help in that field. And again, it's kind of just having that knowledge of the different systems and networks out there to be able to put people in touch with. So I will know my limit when it comes to things like debt relief orders or bankruptcy, then I will pass that on to somebody who's, who's a specialist there, you know. Right. So it's but very... <laughs> extensive the support that you offer very extensive it is and we'd also help people make those applications for like personal independence payment or attendance allowance you know where somebody's kind of health and function has changed then we'd help make those applications and also go to tribunals with people represent them in appeals you know so it's kind of as big as it needs to be big or small as it needs to be okay so you mentioned about um, support for the carers. So could you expand a bit more about that? Yeah, there's a lot of support, just kind of verbal counselling, emotional support that's given to carers. Also putting them in touch with local organisations like in North Wales, we've got NUCIS, there's Carers UK, you know, kind of putting them in touch with the wider support networks or the bigger support networks that they can access and use for themselves you know they do provide some fantastic support like counseling reflexology kind of training days um just focused on carers needs you know we'll do carers assessments put them through to local authorities if need be we'll help carers apply for carers allowance if that's necessary but generally if you know, if they need advice and support, then just try and signpost and help as much as we can. You mentioned that you help with mental health support. So this is a topic that's come up in my previous interviews with Kidney Warriors, where it's been mentioned that there's a real gap in terms of mental health support. So I'm really glad to hear 
that's something that you provide support with. So is that something that you do yourselves or is it that you refer people for a renal psychologist? How does the support work? I guess we do the lower level support when it comes to mental health. We work continuously with people to kind of support their mental well-being, but if it becomes more of a concern, I guess we would refer on to uh, primary care or, you know, for assessment or to the renal psychologist if there was a certain issue that needed more kind of complex attention then most definitely we would refer on to the appropriate body. But I think mental health and mental well-being, it goes hand in hand with the support we're providing in all the other areas that I've mentioned. Yes, the work we do with people is confidential, but if we suspect there's any risk of harm, then we let people know that this would be a time we'd have to break confidentiality and hopefully put them in touch with a more specialist agency or or organization that could support them but we'll be working with people who have issues around substance misuse anything can come up for people can't it but if specialist help is needed we will refer on and possibly work jointly with that agency to best support the person that we're working with you mentioned about support with social life so what is that i guess when you think from a human rights perspective Everybody's got a a right to family life, privacy, and public life, haven't we? And it's kind of vital within the Health and Wellbeing Act. You know, it's an area that we've got to take into consideration because I guess what is the point in having treatment if your quality of life or your personal life is in dire straits? So it's got to be a fine balance, hasn't there? Yes. So on this side of things, we might look at social activities. We might look at holidays. You know, for younger adults, there's kind of activity weekends where people can connect. There's the transplant games that happens. You know, we'll we'll inform people and families that these things are out there. We can get grants for holidays from the kidney charities. You know, that's amazing for families who on treatment and where your norm is three times a week or you're doing treatment permanently at home just having a break to that kind of monotony is invaluable isn't it with treatment with health differences you find that there's often changes in family roles you know that um, whereas maybe once you were the matriarch you haven't got the energy to do all that you become a bit more dependent on Changing dynamics, changing roles. So it's about supporting people and knowing networks again to be able to do that, isn't it? Yes. There's also the safeguarding side of things, possibly areas of concern around domestic violence or there's a neglect or there's that area of support that social workers would always have to respond to as well as. You mentioned about legal issues. So how do you support with legal issues? So when we're talking about legal issues wills and uh, lasting power of attorney will come up in those and it's not that everybody has to do or consider this but why wouldn't we you know it's a case of why not list what our preferences are and how to manage our affairs when we're of sound mind if you like so I think everybody should be looking at this or everybody should be given the opportunity to consider it anyway shouldn't they So we'll address will writing. They have a national will writing 
month. I think it's October often. And you can get wills written for a, a discounted rate. There's templates you can use, you know, so it's worth people knowing those kind of things. So it doesn't have to be a really expensive process, but it's a good thing to consider, you know. And it's not to kind of burden people with their mortality, but it is about getting your affairs in order, isn't it? And which makes yeah. it so, so much easier for your family members, you know, if those discussions have been had. Yeah. Um, and lasting power of attorney, we might just, we don't force anybody to do these things, but it's just about bringing them up so people can consider. I know people who live in the busiest cities, there's often issues around immigration, you know, getting people settled, supporting the legal issues around that. The legal issues are safeguarding, protecting vulnerable people often. And it might be, well, and I know these have been cases for certain social workers. There's been circumstances around prison release, you know, people on dialysis who are in prison. So that's the legal aspect. But they're all very individual, I guess. And, but they're just many adverse or diverse areas that we can be working in with people. So it can be that people have, everybody's unique, everybody's different and everybody's story is so different. You don't know what's going to happen or who's going to come through the door that needs support. But if we can, we'll try and help. I guess that's a population of people I hadn't actually considered when you mentioned about people who are in prison. I hadn't even considered that that's an area of support that would, you know, that's there. So yeah. um, that's really interesting. It is, isn't it? It is. You would still need to, to support. We would offer support to anybody if we could. So you mentioned about support with activities of daily living. So what does that include? So that could be around things like um, accessing shopping, accessing food box, you know, accessing food banks where people have no food. They have no money to kind of purchase food. But also within COVID, people have been unable to, you know, they've been advised against leaving the house, haven't they? They've been advised against going to supermarkets. So yeah, it could be so. around accessing Age UK, you know, kind of different networks, um, local authorities to do the shopping. There's people with mobility issues. Then we refer for blue badges, refer for care packages in, in case somebody is or where somebody is struggling with their personal care and need support with that in the home we refer for NHS continuing health assessments where you know people's health has changed I mean you know declining deteriorating that they might need a different assessment to to meet that need we refer for OT assessments occupational therapy assessments uh, for equipment aids around the house you know where somebody might struggle and support with hospital discharge if needed. But again, it tends to be liaising with local authorities where, where that's concerned. So they're just a few examples of the daily living. You know, if somebody's struggling around the house, then you'd refer to a different agency to do an assessment to see how you could minimise the risk within that house, I guess. And you also mentioned that you support with housing. So how do you support with housing? Okay, that can be around homelessness, you know, kind of when... Uh, somebody's been kicked out by a family member, you know, where relationships are broken down or where the house is no longer suitable for somebody because of their health problems. For instance, you know, we've worked with people who've had 
possibly an amputation and they can't manage to get up the stairs, you know, and the house is no more longer suitable to meet their need. So we would liaise with the local authority housing department just to get applications done and to try and get them rehoused. It might be that we make applications and support people into supportive housing um, because, again, they're changing health needs. And again, it's mainly around supporting letters, doing the application forms with people. Just depends on people's ability to and confidence to do all that. We've worked with people around hoarding issues, you know, people who have problems with their rent and mortgage because of losing their job, maybe having started on treatments, you know, not being able to fulfill mortgage payments. So there's so many different reasons that we might need to help them with rehousing. Another important point to add, I guess, is for those people who decide they want to do a home treatment, if their current property wouldn't support that, then, you know, we would work with them to, to see if the council could offer anything different. Wow, you really offer a comprehensive and person-centred service. There's so much there that you help people with that when you become ill with a chronic illness, all of these things, all or at least one of them, can be affected and can have a real devastating impact on that individual's life. So to know that you help with all of these areas and the fact that this isn't limited in time, that you really do take people through the process and and offer all the support that is needed sounds absolutely amazing and um, it's just a shame that there's so few numbers of renal social workers because as I mentioned earlier there are gaps that you know kidney patients are flagging up that clearly you are covering in your job role (laughs) so I, I will definitely be you know flying that flag to say we definitely need more renal social workers because clearly the work that you're doing is so needed and so important that would be fantastic and and for me Dee the the biggest the most important aspect of the work I do is connecting with people you know kind of just being able to build a relationship of trust where people feel kind of safe and valued enough to share what's going on and to know that we will respectfully do what we can, share the pertinent information and kind of advocate for them the best we can with our MDT colleagues. And I think talking about, as well as the kind of one-on-one work we do, we're also kind of involved in service development work in in kind of research, because I know you've talked to Leah about the pregnancy study that's going on at the moment. So you know, yes. we're, in, we're involved in different pieces of research to kind of improve services for patients as, uh, and families as well as. So the world is opening up. We've got a health and well-being group in Wales. And that's within that we've got youth workers, psychology, dietitians, physios, OTs, occupational therapists and some charity members. So we're all working together to kind of better improve services for for people And also we've got patient representatives on that. And as I was saying to you earlier, that is the way forward. Yes, we all have our own professional expertise, but patient representatives are so important because they're the people with the lived experience. They've been through the process. They've experienced what it's like to go to clinic, to be in hospital. They're the people who 
we need to include at every meeting, every conference, every stage, anything that's going on. I, th yes. I feel we need that voice and that representation to truly know that we're getting it right. I absolutely agree with that. I really believe that the patient voice is the missing piece to complete the picture when it comes to the medical model, really. That, as you said, it's our lived experience. It's not theory. It is our reality. So I absolutely agree with that 100%. So thank you so much for spending this time with me and sharing about your role and the wonderful, and I use that word and I, and I really do mean that, the wonderful work that you're doing to support renal patients across Wales. And um, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for your time and thank you so much. Well, thank you for your kind words, Dee. And I think I'd add to that, it's been my pleasure because I've met some amazing people throughout my career and no one goes through the same, same thing. There's no, it's, it's such an individual experience, but yeah. I think by meeting and learning from other people's experiences, it can only empower people. And, and I guess, uh, you, you know, this is something that's happening in Wales at the moment. One of the Welsh charities called the Paul Popham Fund, they're, they're looking at peer mentoring, which I think is amazing. So, you know, you can be trained to, support people going through the process and I think that is invaluable you're talking to somebody who's got that lived experience again and whereas I can signpost and, and support people somebody who's been there before can talk with experience and passion can't they absolutely thank like you. yourself <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, Hope and love.